Hello there. Hello and welcome to this week's Urgent Bite, brought to you by the Royal New Zealand College of Urgent Care. My name is Guy Melrose and today we take a quick look at tongue lacerations in kids. It was Obi-Wan Kenobi who said, only a Sith deals in absolutes. I find myself often thinking of this statement when considering one of those tricky conundrums we all encounter during an urgent care shift. Such are the vagaries and variations of the human body that it feels like we can never be certain about what we're doing. Something I find myself often saying to a patient as I explain a diagnosis and management plan is that we will plan for the worst and hope for the best when it comes to outcomes. And what I mean by this is while I'm confident in my assessment and diagnosis and am following the best practice when it comes to treatment, sometimes the condition does not improve. A good example would be a child with bronchiolitis who meets the criteria to go home with adequate safety netting. Sometimes you learn that they got worse and have ended up in hospital. But c'est la vie, I suppose. Even when we can say something absolutely, like this bone is broken, sometimes the fracture shifts its position by the next review or goes on to have a non-union. When I think about it, how often do you say, this will make you better? And how often do you say, this should make you better? Followed by some safety netting advice. So by my logic, doctors are not Sith, which means we must be Jedi. I'm sure you will all see that what I have said is true, from a certain point of view. But in considering CPD, I think we all want absolutes. We want to absolutely know what to do and when to do it. I find this is in contrast to how we work, where we learn to live with uncertainty and function in the grey area of medicine. But when we attend a CPD session, we want answers, facts, certainties. In the five years I've been producing these podcasts, it is something I've always tried to consider. What bit of definitive practice-changing information can I draw from this paper or this discussion with a specialist? But I'm also conscious that I often end up on the fence, often advising caution. You might say I'm a bit like Switzerland, only without the accent which segues me nicely to something I wanted to share with you all, which might help you make a decision regarding clinical management and is something I've only just become aware of. And that is the Zurich Tongue Scheme. The question of whether to stitch a tongue laceration is one you have probably grappled with in urgent care. I've always been under the impression that, in general, Tongue lacerations heal well, just left alone, and on the occasions that I have referred them in to be seen in hospital, concerned about the size, they often get left alone. 
In the case of children, the additional consideration is that they will need sedation or a general anaesthetic prior to being able to suture them. A recent case I saw, which did end up having the tongue sutured under a general anaesthetic, made me look at the topic and I found an interesting paper from the journal Swiss Medical Weekly from 2018 by Michelle Seiler et al. called Tongue Lacerations in Children to Suture or Not. They performed a retrospective study of 73 children with tongue lacerations. They considered the size of the wound, if it is gaping in the resting position, location on the tongue, depth, time since injury, how the wound was closed, and any complications. Of this group, 16% had a primary wound closure. These were for larger wounds, gaping wounds when the tongue was at rest, or through and through wounds. They found also that those that were sutured took longer to heal and had a higher complication rate, mainly granuloma, but one child reported a subsequent lisp. Scarring occurred in 34% of conservatively managed wounds and 58% of sutured. Now, my first thought reading this study was that the numbers were not that high, but the low complication rate in the conservatively managed group was reassuring. But what drew my attention is their recommendation to use the Zurich Tongue Scheme when considering closure methods, something they developed out of this study for assessing non-complicated tongue wounds in kids. This is shown in the paper, so do read it, linked in the show notes, but it divides the tongue into three sections. The outer edges of the tip of the tongue is the first area, and they say these should be sutured. The large central part of the tongue should be sutured if the wound is gaping more than two centimetres in the resting position. And the final area is the outer borders away from the tip, which they say suturing is optional. To investigate this Zurich Tongue Scheme further, I have found an article in the Canadian Journal of Emergency Medicine from 2019 that recommends it be used in assessing kids' tongue lacerations. So I thought this was an interesting paper to share with you all today. It does help us assess tongue wounds in kids and gives us some form of standardised rule to follow, which I know a lot of us like. One of my key take-homes from reading this is the importance of assessing the wound with the tongue in the resting position, as protruding the tongue is not a natural position, so will lead to increased gaping. We must weigh up the risks of sedation and anaesthesia, time in hospital and the patient and parent distress when making decisions to suture in kids as mostly this cannot be done in the community urgent care clinics. So I guess using the Zurich Tongue Scheme might help us in our assessment and help us decide whether a discussion with an oral surgeon might be needed, although whether they then decide to recommend suturing is another matter. So make sure you have a read through the two papers, which are both linked in the show notes, the Swiss one gives a good overview of tongue lacerations in kids before describing the Zurich tongue scheme. 
and the Canadian paper by Sibley et al. also mentions other paediatric dental and oral injuries, so it's worth a read. One of the skills we need in urgent care is to not deal in absolutes. Having an awareness of the possibilities of us making an incorrect diagnosis, perhaps simply due to it being too early in the disease process, and being aware that even following best practice and the established management for something does not mean that things cannot fail to progress as planned. Planning for the worst, hoping for the best, involving your patient and their family in decisions after providing as much information as possible, and safety netting them thoroughly is how we accommodate for the ups and downs ins and outs and other vagaries inherent to the human operating system. And as a general rule, if you find yourself saying, I've got a bad feeling about this, refer for a second opinion. If you have any comments, questions, corrections or suggestions, email podcast at rnzcuc.org.nz. And we'll be back again next week with another podcast. I look forward to seeing you all then, but for now, thanks for listening.